Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. If you'd like to, to follow along with us in scripture this morning, um, we're really going to be all over the place as we're going to, we're going to, we're doing a, uh, we're going to be in a whole bunch of different places and a whole bunch of different passages. But if you want to, if, if it makes you feel more comfortable to have your Bible open to somewhere and it makes you feel like you're, you're ready, you can turn to, to Genesis chapter one. I'm um, the first chapter in the Bible this morning. Um, and that's, that's where we'll be spending probably reading the most verses from Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Anyway, if you try to follow along as we move, you're going to get thumb cramps and stuff from flipping pages, but we're going to, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 the most. And we're continuing, we started a sermon series last week looking at trying to, to understand God the Father, the, the first person of the Trinity, the, 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 the God who was and is and is to come that we're presented with from the very opening verse of the Bible and presented all the way through as we try to, to understand who God is, asking the question, asking the question, who is God, who is God the Father? And this, these kinds of questions, they're big and they're fundamental for us to understand about ourselves and understand our faith. Now last week, if you were with us, we laid some groundwork to build on. Um, we, we explored the doctrine of the Trinity. And, and what, is it, what does it mean that, that God is, is three in one, but God is one, not three? And we're not going to go back over that. Uh, if, if you want to go back and listen to that, it's available at our, on our website through podcasts and your, whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're on that. Um, but you can go back and listen to that if you'd like. But just like last week, if you did listen to it or if as you went home and you were, your head was spinning or whatever, if you've got questions, come and let me know and, and we can chat about those things. And last week we, we concluded by talking about just how simply God is. That the answer to the question, who is God? God is. That that, that was the answer. That God is existence. That, that we exist because God is. And so when we try and understand what God is, God just is. And this week we're going to take a, a, a look at the second half sort of of, of that name of God. Of, of God the Father. This week we're, we're going to explore who God is as our Father. We're going to take a look at what it means that God is our Father. Now, an important question to, to sort of begin with and, and to, to help, us, uh, help us understand where, we, where we're going with this is we need to understand where does like the language of God the Father come from? Why Father? Is, is Father an antiquated term, a legacy term? The, is it the result of a patriarchal view of the world and God that would cause us to call God, God the Father, and not some other term? But why, why the Father specifically? After all, the Bible will clearly tell us that God's not human. 
And, and everything that we know and understand about who God is doesn't lead us to a place where, where we would be able to say, well, God's, God's kind of like a man. No, no. Everything that we would read in the Bible would clearly tell us that he's not like, I'm a dad and he's nothing, nothing like me. God is a spirit. God is eternal. He is here, there, and everywhere. He is all-knowing and he's all-powerful. So why would we use a human term to understand something that is way above us and beyond us as human beings? Why would we call God, God the Father? Well, the short answer is because Jesus told us to. That why do we call God the Father? Because Jesus said to call him that. And to unpack that a little bit, in, the, in Matthew's account of Jesus' life, we read about this time when, when his disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus, to answer this question, or Jesus' answer to this question, is what we would know, what you may know today, as the Lord's Prayer. And the prayer begins with two very important words. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Of any and all things that God is, and of any and all metaphors that you could use to describe God, our Creator, our Lord, our King, the matchless one, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, all the things that you could use to describe God, or the way that God describes himself in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or God describes himself the most as, I the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. That's how God describes himself. But of all of the things that we could use to describe God, of the, the infinite vocabulary that would be at our disposal, when Jesus teaches us to pray and wants us to understand how to understand God in the light of prayer, from the very beginning of our understanding of God is that we need to understand and see and think God as our Father. When Jesus could have picked anything, but he says, begin with an understanding that God is your Father. He's not some old man up in heaven with a white robe and a big white beard shooting lightning bolts down at us. He, he's not some uncaring authority figure far, far away from us. Jesus shows us that God is intimate with us. Jesus said the first thing that you need to understand about God when you come to God in prayer is that God is close to you. He's our heavenly father. 
But there's more to it than just this one place in Scripture. There's more than just this one moment where we see Jesus address God as our Father. We go, there, there's the doctrine of God as the Father. But God being our Father is a metaphor that, that exists all through Scripture. That from the beginning to the end and everywhere in between, you find these places where it talks about God as the Father and it, it talks about us as his children. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, What great love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. The Father has given this great love that you and me, we get to become his children. That the picture is God is our Father and you and I, we are his children. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are told that as the children of God, we are able to see God in very close very personal terms. In Romans chapter 8, we get a couple pieces of theology around this in verse 15, where it will say, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as sonship. The, the Greek word that we translate for adoption, it's a, it's a very adoption to sonship. That phrase there, it's a very specific phrase that, that we can read that and sometimes we just adoption to sonship and we, we can move on. But as Paul was writing this, it's actually like a legal term that, that he's using to talk about and it's why the word sonship is actually really important because we can see in sonship and so well, I'm a girl, does that make me, what does that mean? And, and, but the, the adopted to sonship is a very important term. Because in Roman culture, having an heir, was, I mean, in, in all culture at the time, but in, in Roman culture specifically that Paul was, was writing into, having an heir, uh, somebody to carry on the family name, the family legacy, the family farm, the family business, whatever it may be to, to carry on the name, was a really big deal. It was important that you had that. And if you didn't have that, you were really looked down on. And so you could, you could adopt people into your family. But the, why, why Paul talks about you've received the spirit not to make you slaves so that you live in fear is because at the time there was really two kinds of adoption that, that you, could, you could do. You could, you could go adopt a kid for some free labor. The, the, hey, uh, yeah, we, we, got a, we got an empty bed. Sure, I'll go adopt a kid. But he's not really part of our family. We're bringing him in because our kids whine too much when I ask him to do the dishes or, or whatever. That we're bringing people in because we can, but they're not really a part of our family. But then there's this other understanding of adoption where you're brought into the family and you're made an heir. You, you are brought in and you, you are considered just like one of our kids. Just as if you were natural born. Just as if you were a part of our family from the very beginning. We understand you to be like that and we're not going to draw a line or a distinction in any kind of way. And Paul here is saying that when Jesus adopts us, he's not adopting us for free labor. 
He's not adopting us into his family so that somehow he's just got more hands to do stuff. But really, you're a child of God, but come on. You're not a child of God. But you're allowed to sort of say that you are if somebody asks. But what Paul's getting at here is you really and truly and in every possible sense are a child of God. And the verse will continue this way. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this word Abba is another really important concept for us to understand because Paul says that we can address God like this. So, so what does it mean to address God as Abba, Father? Well, this verse lets us know just how close we are to God. In, in Mark chapter 14, we, we read the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's having this, this moment where he knows everything that's about to take place in his life. He knows that, that Judas is on his way with the army. He's going to be betrayed. And in just hours, he's going to be on a cross. And in just a few more hours, he's going to be dead. And he's having this moment where he's, he's crying out to his father. And this is where we get the, the famous verse, you know, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not your will, or not my will but your will be done but in Mark chapter 14 we see that Jesus addresses his father as Abba father so we're invited to address God the same way that Jesus does here so so what does Abba really mean well, first, it's an Aramaic word, which was a common language that was spoken in the day. Most of, of your, the New Testament was probably written in Greek, but it was probably spoken, at least when the Jews would be speaking to the Jews, would be in Aramaic. But, um, so it's an Aramaic word, and, and it means father, is, is what it means. Is, you know, when you say Abba, father, it's, it's father, father. But what it is, is it's a common term. It's a family term that expresses affection and confidence and trust. So what that means is, is think of in your family, what, what term did you have for your father? Dad? Daddy? Pop pop? I, I, you know, Whatever, whatever the term might be that you have for your father, that, that sort of intimate thing that you called your dad because he was your dad and you were his kid. And so you, we have, you know, different families will, will have these sort of terms that they might have used. That even other families go, wait, what? What, what did you call him? And we, oh, it's just what we call our dad. That's the idea behind this, that it, it's coming to, to our father with the most intimate terms, that, that it strips away sort of all layers of like formality and strips away all layers of distance or all the layers that would say like, well, we need to be on our best behavior, but it allows us to, to come to our father with all of that stripped away. 
and call him daddy or call him whatever the phrase that you might say. Abba signifies the close, intimate relationship that a father has with their child. And as well, the childlike trust that a young child puts in his dad. As my kids have gotten older, this has become less relevant. But when my kids were little, they really thought I was amazing. <laughs> as they've gotten older and gotten a little wiser to the world, it doesn't come up as often as it, or, or maybe they've said it so many times they just continue to believe it. Maybe that's it. But when our, my kids were little, there was nothing that dad couldn't do. I remember putting Theo to bed when he was little, just in kindergarten. And he would tell me about how he met a friend at school or met a, met a friend's dad at school. And he would say to me, and dad, I think you can beat him up. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, you know, but he, he, I was his dad. And what can't my dad do? reach anything on the top shelf. That's what I can't do. Uh, but, but he, you know, it's, it's that kind of heart and attitude, this childlike trust and wonder that we're invited to come to God with. But this metaphor, it's not just used about God. It's also used by God to talk about himself and to talk about us as his children. And we see the father heart of God for the people in Israel, even when things were going poorly. In Jeremiah chapter 3, we see the people of Israel have fallen away from God. And God is preparing them to send them off to exile. And, and God is speaking to his people through the prophet, uh, through, through Jeremiah. And God says this in Jeremiah chapter 3, 19. I myself said, how gladly I would treat you like my children and give you pleasant land, the beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father. That God's heart for us was, I want you to call me father. That, that's how I want you to see me. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses, the book of Deuteronomy be, be, begins with Moses giving sort of a recap of what has taken place in the life of Israel. And he, he retells the journey of Israel through the desert and he reminds the people of this. In the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. The father heart of God is evident all throughout the Bible. And this is a big deal because our earthly experience can so easily color and distort a view of what it means for God to be our heavenly father. Some of you may think, I had a dad once and the last thing I need is another one of those. That when I said, what term did you use to address your father? You may say, I'm not allowed to say that in church. That the idea of who your father was, you think, I don't like this imagery. But what we need to understand is that God is not 
and never was meant to be a reflection of your earthly father. Even if you had the very best father, don't make the mistake of thinking that's what God's like. Because God isn't a reflection of your father. God is the perfection of your father. He's not a reflection of your dad if you had a great dad or if you had a terrible dad. He's not a reflection of that. He is the perfection of what fatherhood is supposed to be. God's love is perfect. God's care for us is perfect. And he wants us to know that. And we, we can't allow what did or didn't happen in our lives to, to warp how we see God. But there's more. There's more than just a concept of language. There's more than just that this idea is presented to us in Scripture. And so we must accept the idea simply because it's presented. That that our connection to God as our Father runs much more deeply than just a picture. The first verse in the Bible tells us this. I told you we'd get there eventually. You're starting to think maybe I forgot. But at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was God. And God created everything. He made the heavens and the earth, the stars, the planets, space, time, the universe, He made air, water, plants, animals, atoms, molecules, quarks, the northern lights, the Atlantic Ocean, and gravity. The first page of the Bible starts by telling us before there was anything else, there was God. And that by God's word, everything was created. And as you read through the story in Genesis chapter 1 of the the creation of everything, there's this this one phrase that comes up over and over again. After God creates something, Scripture will say over and over again in the opening verses, and God saw that it was good. He comments on his creation. He sees the plants, he sees the animals, he sees the day and night. He sees all of these things, and he sees each one, and he comments on it and says, that's good. But finally, after all that God made, he makes people. And as God's final ultimate act of creation, he creates us. But when God created us, he made us special. It says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all creation that moves along the ground. And after each piece of creation, God comments on it and says, It was good, it was good, it was good. But then God creates us, but He doesn't comment on us. Instead, God speaks to us. He doesn't say, and they were good. He doesn't speak about us. He turns to us, and he speaks to us. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, 
he turns to us. He, do, he doesn't turn to the cows. He doesn't turn to the clouds. He doesn't turn to the ocean. But he turns to us as his creation and says to us, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, he continued, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that bears fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. As God creates us, he doesn't comment on us. But instead, he turns to us and he gives us everything he just created. He goes back over it all and says, this is all for you. God creates us to represent him to the world. He created us with the purpose of ruling over creation itself. In the beginning, God created you with dignity. God created you with value. And God created you with purpose. In the book of Psalms, there's a couple of verses in, in chapter 139 that, that speak to how you and I were created by God. We'll say this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's this incredible imagery of how you were put together. I don't know how to knit. I have no idea. I know there's little sticks, and I think you use yarn, but that might be the wrong name for... Is that right? All right. Well, I, I know there's names for string and stuff, and I don't know if that's the right one. What I do know is you can't knit by accident. You don't just throw the sticks and the yarn in a box, shake it all up, then pull out a sweater. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Then I could knit. Then I know how to knit. You can't weave by accident. It doesn't, it doesn't happen without intention and forethought and planning and purpose and a design and a desire and a plan to see this become something. You can't, th these things tell us we're not put together by chance. We're not put together by accident. You're not here left out of spare parts. It's not that God was on, in, a, in a busy day making stuff and he got to kind of the end of the line and he had a little bit of this and a little bit of that and he smushed it together and pushed it all together and oh, out popped Brad. That, that, that's, that's, that's what this is telling us. In fact, another verse in, in Matthew chapter 30, Jesus will tell us this and he, he'll continue to show us this. He will say, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Now, for some of us, you don't have to count nearly as high as for others. But Jesus will say, just so you know, God cares so much about you 
that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, we all have that friend that we know that knows everything about something. That, you know, you have a friend who, who is into, into Star Wars, Pastor Matt, and he knows everything about everything. And, and you make a comment about something, and he's like, well, actually, that, that's actually not how that worked. Or, or you know, whether, whether it's, it's movies or books or, you know, a World War II buff or, or whatever. We, have, we know people who know everything about everything. And when you come to talk to someone who knows everything about everything and you know a little bit about that thing, you quickly discover they know a whole lot more than I do about this. And my sort of surface level discussion of like, Luke Skywalker was kind of neat. Like... That doesn't translate to somebody who knows everything about everything when it comes to these worlds. And what Jesus is telling us is like, when you know you, you know yourself to a surface level. But if we were to say, how many here know how many hairs are on your head? None of us can answer that. I'm looking around the room like, nobody's completely bald, so this works out okay. None of of us know the answer to that. What God is saying is, is when it comes to how well you know you, you know you to a surface level. But I know you like somebody who knows everything about everything when it comes to you. The things that I know about you, you can't even dream of knowing about yourself. This is why we can view God as our Abba Father. This is why we can have him as our Abba Father. He knows us more than we know about ourselves and handcrafted every single thing about us. Your personality, as much as you may love it or hate it, Your characteristics, as much as you may love them or hate them. Your passions, your wants, who you are, the things you're good at, the things maybe even we're bad at. Before we were a twinkle in the thoughts of our parents' eyes, you were fully formed and known and intentionally created by God the Father. So the term Abba Father is, is not one just for us to use as a formality or as like a title, like how we might, we might say Heavenly Father or Father God when we pray, that, that we begin with sort of this formal addressing of, of God. Abba Father reflects the knowledge that God knows us better than we know ourselves and that he established plans and paths for us before we took our first steps, before we even became into being as humans. When when you hear Abba Father, it should lead us to see a Father who knows your greatest strengths. And he knows your greatest weaknesses. He knows your beginning and end. But instead of his knowing everything about us and his will for us causing him to become frustrated when we don't follow him, instead of his, his knowledge of everything about us causing us to become angry, when we get stubborn and arrogant with him, 
or instead of him knowing even the deepest, darkest thoughts that exist in the caverns of your mind, it keep, even though it, it keeps him, or even though knowing all of that could leave him disgusted by us when we're at our worst. He allows us to meet him in our own way with an intimacy that can only be felt between the creator and the created. This is what it means that God is our Abba Father. Let's pray together. Father God, Father in heaven, Abba Father, Daddy, God, we, we come before you today just undone at who you are for us. Just undone with the intention and the purpose that you had in us. And God, even in the moments where we hate us, where we look at who we are and, and what we see is failure and what we see is, is so incomplete, so broken and so wrong, God, I thank you that we can have these moments where we are invited to turn back towards your word and your presence in our life and see that you knit us together. You wove us together. You, you, your eyes were on our unformed being before the foundations of the earth. God, I thank you that for each one here today, God, your love for us is so much greater and so much deeper than we can ever understand. That you are our heavenly father in a way that, that we simply cannot wrap our minds fully around. What does it mean that you're our father? It means everything. And when we try to understand everything, we can miss out deeply on some things. And so God, we just come before you today to say thank you. To say thank you that you are our heavenly father that the gift of life that you gave each one of us was not by fluke, random happenstance or chance, but God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us to live out all the days of our lives. And God, that you made us this way, that there was a, a me-shaped hole in the world. And so God, you made me. And so, God, I pray that for each one of us here today, God, we would be able to trust and believe that there is an us-shaped hole in the world, and that's why you made us us. And you made the perfect version of us. God, help us to be able to trust, to be able to love, to be able to believe and see that you really and truly are our Heavenly Father. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God is on the Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. And that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. 
or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. No mountain, no fire.